Hey, Amanda. How are you? Welcome to Listen For Real. I'm so, so excited you're here. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. It's really cool to be a part of this. I'm so excited. Well, you know, this is just in its in it's in its genesis. We're we're at the beginning stages, so I love that I have you here amongst the uh, the newcomers that show up, <laughs> just trusting me, right? Of course, of uh, course. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so I am thrilled. You know, this is the antidote to the echo chamber. I talk about that all the time. I ask people here because something about us is different not the same. We have a lot in common to be sure, Mm -hmm. but there's things about us that are very different. So I'm really glad you're joining us and the audience. It's just so good to have all of us here. I I get this vision of us pulling up a chair or pulling up a couch. And I want everyone to envision that as well. I've got my little um, sparkly water and I just imagine you sitting there with whatever it is. What's your, what's your drink of choice? I've I've still got my morning coffee. Morning Even though coffee. it's the afternoon, it's it's been say. that kind of day, you know. It's it's now iced coffee, but it's still delicious. I have exactly. I have roasted coffee with beans from the Yukon, and they're sold at one of our local coffee shops. And I'm just addicted. It's they're the best coffee beans ever, and even cold. It's still yeah. delicious. Oh, <laughs> that's a happy thing. Okay. This is Amanda Doucette. She is my new friend and also a problem solver. She loves complexity. I don't. I freak out with complexity. She is a tax lawyer practicing in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and she is also a host of a podcast called the Tax Chick Podcast, and she's founder of Tax Chick Blog. So we're going to jump right into it. First, how did we meet? Was it Melanie Lippman? It was Melanie Lippman. I mean, I, so I had hired Melanie Lippman to help me with my wardrobe problems. And then one day we were talking about non-wardrobe things. And I told her, I really had this idea for a Ted talk. And she's like, you have to meet my friend. You guys are like joined, you're going to be joined at the hip. It's like you were meant to be sisters in another lifetime. And so then I contacted you and I immediately felt that way. I felt like there was an energy between the two of us. Like you just got me. And so I'm so thankful to Melanie. We all have to get together in person at some point. We do. And New York would be my choice. I agree. Not that I don't think Saskatoon would be. (laughs) It's actually a beautiful city, but I I also would like to go to New York again and see Melanie and she could help us shop. She could. She could. Two things at once. We see, this is how it goes. We digress. We will talk about shopping too. And that is where we differ from a lot of people. I can't stand shopping. I can't stand trying to dress myself. It's, it's an effort. It's a Herculean task. So yes, complexities. Okay. This is crazy. So you're a tax attorney. I don't even do my own taxes, but really this is what intrigued me about you. You love delving into something complex you chose tax. Now, everyone stay with us. We're not going to talk about the taxes. No. We're not talking about taxes at all. We're actually going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about reality. We're going to talk about overwhelm. I'm going to actually share how easily I get overwhelmed. And Amanda has this awesome method that she has figured out. I'm going to have her talk about it because it's blown my mind on how to just not freak out, but go, about this. Here is a methodical way I can attack this issue. And I lead into this because I was just chatting with a client and friend recently. 
And she is beyond. In fact, she used these words this way. She said, Jen, my brain feels like it's about to fry. Like if Mm -hmm. I don't rest, my brain is tired. If I don't stop this insanity that I'm on, she's a mom of three, all younger kids. She runs a worldwide enterprise. She is so capable, one of the most amazing people ever, but she is on total overload. And she goes, I feel like I'm going to short circuit. Like my brain will actually stop. And you know, that feeling when you get so overwhelmed and you're so just caught in the depth of it all, and it all feels impossible. It's hard to even think about what you can do. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I know you've probably been through that. I know you've been through a move lately. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, there was a time this past summer, it was, there was some health issues. There was a move, there was lots of stuff happening on the work front. And I did say to my husband one night, I feel like I'm going to short circuit. I actually use those words because I felt like the neurons weren't firing anymore. (laughs) And sometimes you can get to that space of just complete overwhelm. Exactly. So talk, let's walk through. And so for those who are in that right now or who may be in it in the future, because really life here on planet Earth, we're going to have times where mm-hmm. everything is coming down on us. Everything's overwhelming. It's pretty much an inevitability at some point in our lives. My situation a few months ago was I was in an accident and I suffered a little bit of a mild brain injury that have, that has healed. But I can tell you in that first four to six weeks after the accident, I remember just being totally going fetal in my bed, mm. wanting to sleep all the time, wondering to myself, will I ever be able to work again? Will I ever mm. be able to love my family again? Will I have anything but sadness and overwhelm? Because that's how your brain feels. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, do you remember I, I, I called you and I said, okay, because we were just working on it for we your were. TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I actually need to employ this. You know, I, I'm going to break this out in my journal. And it really is helpful. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. I want you to explain this method and how it came about, how yeah. you even discovered this. Well, and I think that when you had reached out to me that time, when you were sort of feeling that overwhelm and then tried it and it worked, it made me really happy because sometimes I think, well, this works for me and it works when I employ it with my clients, but maybe this is all in my head. You know, you get this idea, but you and I've had lots of conversations about sort of where this came from. And I think that part of why I didn't even realize it was a thing is because it was simply the way I was brought up. It was, it was very normalized for me. And so a lot of this comes from my dad and my dad passed away. um, It's been now over five years. And my dad was a professor of anatomy and cell biology, and he loved his job. He was the kind of guy that he always was talking about brains. Um, You had to be very careful if you were sitting at the table with them. If you mentioned something, it would turn into a, well, did you know this part of the brain can do this? And everything was a learning opportunity. And I spent a lot of time with my dad growing up. I'm an only child. Every Sunday, I went down to work with dad. I think dad wanted me to be some form of scientist. I do not like math. I do not like science. So he did not get that dream. But dad's second love was was law. He loved reading John Grisham books and stuff. So I became a lawyer. So that worked. Um, But dad had this way of approaching life. And I kind of assumed everybody approached life this way. I've learned as an adult that no, everyone doesn't. 
But dad had a very methodical way of handling things. And, and that transpired not just in how he handled his own life, but in how he approached obstacles with other people. And so that was very much indoctrinated into me. And that's kind of where this idea came from. I've been using it with clients for years because as a tax lawyer, I often get clients coming in and they are very overwhelmed. They might be business owners. They might have just suffered the loss of a spouse and they often do not know what's going on. There's too many things coming at them. They have too many advisors and they just kind of want to find a corner and hide. And so this is something I've been using with them for years and I find it helps. I find it gets people out of it. What I think is important to remember is whatever your issue is today, it doesn't matter whether that's a big issue or a little issue. And one of the things I think that contributes to our overwhelm is that we try to decide on a daily basis whether that overwhelm is really valuable or, or justified. And I think as women in particular, we do this. Where like I'll have a day where it's like everything is going wrong. And so the fact that I now have to go get gas on the way to work when I don't have time is just, it just puts me over the edge. Or, you know, if somebody doesn't put a dish in the right cupboard, right? And if you tell someone this, you get a look, you get the, really? That's your problem? Like maniac problems? Yeah. Yeah, Maniac aisle nine. (laughs) Exactly. But sometimes it's because there's other stuff happening in the background. And I know one of the things you described one time, which I've always thought was the best visualization, as you said, it's like having your cell phone and you haven't turned off the notifications or you haven't turned off that constant um, updating of the apps. So it's all kind of working in the background, but you don't see it. All you're seeing is whatever is blipping up in front of you. And I think our lives can be like that. And especially during the pandemic. I think people were holding a bunch of stuff inside. And so it's all ticking away. But what they're seeing is that they're annoyed that they had to get gas. They're not seeing all the other issues that are underlying. Yeah. In fact, someone else used the term recently that there's that app running in the background that Mm -hmm. is draining your cell phone battery. Yes. Oh my gosh. How many of us have these apps running in the background draining us? And so then it is that littlest thing and you flip out. I'm Mm -hmm. a master at it. My husband and son, literally the other night, we're sitting here. So I happen to be coming from my kitchen today. You're coming from your office. I I am. I am. And I was cursing and yelling and getting mad about dinner and that (laughs) I'm not going to cook dinner for everyone anymore. I'm not the only one around Mm, here who can cook. I mean, it was like this. And my son just kind of got wide eyed like, oh, mom. You precious thing. I mean, they both know. I'm so grateful they didn't react, but right, right. I finally realized I'm, I'm literally freaking out for no reason and thankfully gave them both a hug and said, so sorry, but yeah. But who's cooking yeah. dinner now? I mean, isn't right. that the bigger question? Yeah. No, legitimately. Guess what we did? Guess what we did? What did you do? I don't want to get up because I'll get all unplugged, yeah. but right here on this counter is a calendar that says Monday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. And each of us, I said, I'm going to put my name on a few days. You guys put your name on a few days. Let's divide and conquer. That really happened. Good job. Good job. There. Yeah. Solution oriented. That's oh, what you are. Yeah. I've tell, <laughs> I, I can learn. You could teach this old dog at age 50 new tricks, right? Uh, <laughs> Called boundaries. So yes. That's a great concept. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's play this out then just for, cause everyone's like, wait, what, what is it? Give us a secret. Cause we're dying over here. Right. Okay. 
So what would be the first step? I'm overwhelmed. I literally want to crawl into my bed and cry and do Mm -hmm. or drink wine all night, either Mm -hmm. one, sometimes both. And I don't want to tackle anything. And I just feel like I just got to run away from all this. Too much going on. What do you think? If you were to sit with me or my friend right now, what would you say? So the first thing you have to do is get it out of your head. And I think sometimes I have a visualization when I feel like that, that there's like 200 little men and women running around in my head, like throwing balls back and forth. And I just want them to stop. Like, I just want them to get out of my head and in front of me. And so I always feel like the first step is to do that free form. I mean, you can call it a brain dump. You can call it a brain strike. I don't care what you call it, but you have to get it out of your head. And it's, it's important to take enough time to do this. So, I mean, there's lots of people that are far more qualified in psychology than I am. I mean, I have a three-year undergrad, so I'm not a psychologist, but they talk about this concept of brainstorming and the idea that when you brainstorm, you kind of got to dust the cobwebs off first, right? Cause you'll start writing and you're self-correcting as you're writing. You're saying, Oh no, that's not important enough. Oh, oh no, I better not write that. But then once you get into it, once you're in it for about a minute, all of a sudden that's when the true ideas come out. So even if it's setting a timer for yourself for three minutes, take a piece of paper or your phone or, you know, speak into your phone. If you're someone that it's easier to, to emote by voice, do that. If it's easier to type into your phone, do that. If you're like me, I'm a pen and paper kind of gal. It doesn't have to be pretty right like crazy. And you have to force yourself not to self-select. So you're going to write on that piece of paper, everything that's bothering you. And it's not just, you know, I've, I've lost a family member or, um, I'm sick. It's, I don't know who's cooking dinner tonight and I don't want to do it. Um, you know, my bed's not made. The dog is barking right now. It is literally everything that is making you angry and stressed and worried. And you just take it and you pour it out onto the piece of paper. And until you do that step, until you kind of clear out your mind, you can't properly think about how to solve a problem because you're just not there. You're not at that stage because you don't even know what the problem is. You think the problem is dinner, but the problem is not dinner. The problem is something else. Yeah. Well, and I'm so glad you said that voice thing because I can remember. So I'm thinking about me. And I'm thinking about my girlfriend this week and neither of us could even conceive of a paper and pen. So what if it's just dumping out to a friend as she did with me or dumping out into the voice memo, Mm -hmm. however it has to look. So what you're saying is, and I have to picture it like you talked about once upon a time when you told me about your dad, he would take, is this the step where if you were building a piece of furniture, you would take everything out and lay it all on the ground Mm-hmm. Is that that same? We step? would, and we'd count everything. I have to have that visual. Yeah, yes. and I mean, and I still do so that. Great. I was, I was just building a bookshelf on the weekend because, like you said, we just moved into a new house, and so, and I, I have no spatial awareness. So to take like a, one of those instruction sheets and try to build something, it's a lot. Like it takes a lot. So I sat myself down and I took a deep breath, and I always do what would Dad do? And so I lay everything out and I count all the pieces because Dad used to say, well you know, you're always, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball if you're missing a piece, because then you're never going to get the darn thing together. So laid it all out. And then you can visually see, you can visually see what you have to tackle. And I think there's something very powerful about that. Yeah. Okay. So then if, okay, so we've gotten everything out, then what's the next step? Well, I think the next step is a step that people often forget. And this is, I think one of the most crucial steps, and it's sort of the step where you build yourself up. Because we often feel very helpless 
when we're in that situation. It's, it's, it's like a feeling of drowning in our own emotions almost. Mm -hmm. And this feeling that we don't know anything, we know nothing. And that's never true. And, and dad used to always say, no, no, like, you know, something like there's always a foundational piece of knowledge. And he always taught his classes that way, that it was very much, what's your base knowledge. We're going to build on that. And that was the way he always approached discussions with me is, well, no, you know, X, Y, and Z. So therefore we can take the step from there. I find that helps a lot with clients. When I have clients that come in and they're doing estate planning and they've lost a loved one and they don't know where the files are and they don't know who the advisors are. And they're just very hyperventilating. Once we get it all out, the next step is to start figuring out what they know because everybody knows something. So if we take the example of, you know, an overwhelmed person who has just too many things on their list. Mm -hmm. Well, we know, number one, they know what they have to do. There's a whole lot sitting on a piece of paper in front of them. So they know what they have to do. They also know who the people in their lives are that are very important to them. So you know who your children are and who your spouse is and who you're caring for. And so those people now become more important than maybe work or a social event. You also know who you can reach out to. So you know who your support system is. We all have, you know, a best friend. We have, um, you know, maybe a family member that we might reach out to. Maybe we have a cleaning service that can come in or, or we know a friend that we can call to say, hey, I, I need some help cleaning my house today. Um, we have those things. We have people we can reach out to and touch and, yeah. and get that support. And when we go back to something as, as basic as, as, let's say, my, my widow example that's come in to see me, her husband's died unexpectedly. Well, I mean, she knows they own a house. She lives in it. So there's a starting point. Um, she knows they have bank accounts. She knows they have investments. Does she know the details? No, but that's not, that doesn't matter. You know, here's all the things you know, and we actually start writing down the things that you know. And I used to approach exams that way. I would go through the exam and I would write the stuff I knew because it, that's what dad used to tell me to do. And it would give you that, that push oh, that's to so be like, smart. I know stuff, right? As opposed to going to the first question, not knowing the answer and just spiraling Yeah, because that's what we do, right? If if you get stuck on that when you go, well, I don't know this, I don't know anything. It's all over. I'm throwing the paper up. So I think it's about trying to assess what you know. And sometimes all you know is what you have to do. Well, and I, okay. So to your point, I remember making a list in my, in my malaise and despair and it was everything from, okay, I can call for a therapy appointment. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can call the doctor. Okay. I have health insurance. I can actually make, wow. Like talk about that's a privilege in itself. I have health insurance. I could make that call and not stress about how to pay for Mm -hmm. it. I have a caring family. I have, I, I literally made the list of everything possible. If I never worked again, okay, I wouldn't die. I wouldn't be homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, I I literally had to go that granular to, Mm -hmm. I can breathe. I'm breathing right now. I am at least laying in the fetal position in a nice bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, this is- With a roof over your head. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's almost like a gratitude list. I think that's interesting as you're describing it. So it's kind of like a assessing your foundational knowledge plus assessing the things that, that you have gratitude for. And I think as you start establishing your foundation, you actually start to emote gratitude because you realize you have these things, you have these supports and there's always something, always something. Always. Oh, and you know what else I did there is I put down, and I don't know if this is on this step, 
but I put down what I don't have to do right now because mm-hmm. you think I've got to do everything for this. I got to do this for my business. I got to go do this for this. Mm-hmm. And I literally deleted or mm-hmm. delegated 90% of my life for about mm-hmm. two weeks because I just couldn't even function. Could not function. And then you learn really quick all the stuff you don't necessarily need going on anyway that contributed, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, to my overwhelm. I had no space in my life to even breathe. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's fabulous. Oh my gosh. Okay. What next? So I think then once you've got all this positivity flowing through your veins, um, you have to start addressing some of the negative stuff, right? So there's always gaps in knowledge. So if I think of my widow as an example, I mean, so we've established her foundation, but there were a lot of gaps. So she didn't, she didn't know how to handle a corporate structure that her husband had because she didn't know her husband had the corporate structure until after he died. So she had been a T4 employee her whole life. She had never owned anything. And suddenly someone told her she owned this company and it just blew her mind. She just had no idea what to do. And so that was a huge gap for her. So you have to kind of identify what those gaps are. And it's really just being mindful of them because I think we all have to accept that there are always going to be gaps and gaps are okay. We, we can work on filling the gaps in the next step, but we have to first identify where we're missing information and you're always going to be missing something. So let's identify what we're missing. Once we've made a list of that, then we can move to the next step. But I think sometimes people get very overwhelmed by what they're missing and they say, well, all is not, I don't understand this. So whatever. No, it's okay. We've at least identified what you don't know, Mm -hmm. Like you need to know what you don't know. I think that's the first step. And it's okay to, it's okay to say, I don't know this. Think about it like curiosity. Okay. So wait, so in our example, then what I don't know, or the gap is that I have no space and no time. Exactly. In my example or my girlfriend's example, no breathing room. No, yeah, no breathing. No, and you almost feel like you don't have. I just want to see my kids. I just want to hug my kids. Literally, she said that I need to drink green water. I need to sleep. I need to snuggle with my kids for like a week. I've my brains. Otherwise, I'm gone. I I have nothing left. And I thought, oh my gosh, sometimes is that not the most essential thing? Yeah, like what's missing from your life? Yeah, and and sometimes it's what's missing from your knowledge. Sometimes it's what's missing from your day to day. Both of those things, I think, are gaps. Oh, right? good point. Yeah. But it's it's just how I think it just depends on the circumstance that's led you down this path. So I think with your girlfriend, she she didn't have a gap in knowledge, maybe the knowledge of how do I time manage or how do I take things off of my plate in order to be able to make time for this? Or how do I delegate or who do I delegate to? I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's a, I'm going to call it time management, which is such an overused word, but it's that kind of idea. Um, But sometimes it's just that the gap actually is, I don't know how to do something. So, you know, in my case of my widow, it was, I don't even know what a corporation is. How can I possibly own it? And what am I supposed to do with it? And that created fear. That would be me. That would totally be me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And then next. So then now we're in a depressing place because we've identified the gaps. So we got to move. We got to move out of that stage (laughs) as quickly quickly. as we can move quickly. Um, So the next stage is, is taking action because I think that, I think that one of the, the, 
one of the things that can be the scariest when you're dealing with a very stressful situation is it almost feels like your feet are in concrete and you can't move. And you're just, you're sitting there and you're like paralyzed and your head is racing and you want so badly to leap forward, but you can't, you're stuck. And so you have to make sure you keep yourself in motion. I think throughout these stages, this is not something that takes four months to do. This is like literally in 10 minutes. That's what this is, is you're running through this in a 10 minute period. You can't let yourself stop. If you stop, you won't start again. So you have to just keep going. It's easy. It's easy. It's not hard. It's just keep moving. So I think the next step is you have to take some action. So if we're thinking about your friend and how she started talking about, okay, there's some things I need to get off my plate. Okay, great. Let's do that. Let's send an email. Let's make a phone call. Let's send a text. Yeah. She Even if it's did one that. thing, right? Yep. She literally did that. So that day we yeah. met that morning. She just Good. goes, I'm in breakdown mode. I go, okay, what are you doing just for today? She goes, literally, I'm going to my mom and dad's. I need to see them. And I have a one o'clock Zoom call with my psychiatrist. And I am going to pick up my kids from school and go home and snuggle and play with them. Yeah. And, and everything else is churned off. I've told my yep. company, I've told my husband and I exactly. thought, oh my gosh, that's it. Like, good. Don't do anything else. That's perfect. So she took the action, right? She called her psychiatrist. She booked an appointment. She yeah. told her husband, this is the plan. Uh, stick to it. She told her office, this is the plan. Don't bother me. Yep. And then she started along the path. She went to her mom and dad's. I mean, that's the taking action. And, and I think sometimes people think taking action is, okay, now I have a to-do list and I'm going to go down my to-do list. No, that's not the type of action we're talking about. The, the action is you need to take steps to fix or to solve the issue, not just start running down a to-do list. Oh it's, my gosh, that sends you know, me more into a tailspin. Doesn't oh, that do that to I know, you? I know. It actually makes it worse in that moment. You're right. Because then yeah. what you're doing is you're looking at everything you got to do yeah. and it's more overwhelming instead of oh, exactly. taking one thing and taking an action. I see your point. Well, and I don't know if you're like me. I'm that person that on my to-do list, if I've like done something that's not on my to-do list, I write it on the to-do list so I can cross it off. I'm that person. And so I have to be very, very careful not to get lost in the to-do list. Because yeah. it can be very overwhelming. And I think I think a lot of us fall back to that pattern. And I don't know if it's in school or, or what it is that teaches us about the to-do list. But sometimes it's something different than that. The to-do list is really more of like a delegating list or a decision list. It's a, I'm deciding to do these three things today and I'm going to put this list away. I'm deciding to phone this person. I'm deciding to reach out in this way. Those are tasks as well. Um, but they're tasks that are going to get get you further to a solution than just running down a random list. Okay, here's what's crazy. So you just reminded me of something. Do you know who Mel Robbins is? She did yes. five second. Okay, yes, five second rule, right? And now she has a new book out. I think High Five or something. Right. Anyway, I never forgot. I think she said this, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. But she said, <laughs> "Apologize to Mel Robbins." Make yeah. To do, yeah. People who make to-do lists oftentimes, and this is me, totally hit me square bullseye in the forehead. It's a procrastination tool. Oh, sure. I will rewrite with fun ink and colors the same to-do list and then refine it and then add other things in and then just feel more overwhelmed and I've got nothing done. She goes, screw your to-do list. 
go and do something, <laughs> get something done, get yeah. something done. And I think she has that whole 30 before seven 30 in the morning or something. Right. It's like, what's one of the most important things you could get done today. You will build such momentum. So you're totally reminding me of this right now, mm-hmm. build that, do that one thing and then bust into your day. Yeah. You might have a list that you need to put things down so that you don't forget something, but I am that person totally mm-hmm. who makes the to-do list. Cause it makes me think I'm being productive. I feel productive. And I'm just really making a pretty piece of paper. Well, and I mean, I feel like the older I get, the more I need a to-do list because I can't remember what I'm supposed to do anymore. I think I I get to that place, but I'm trying not to be as much of a slave to it as I used to be. Um, And and I think think that you're right in this concept of sometimes we make a to-do list because it makes us feel like we've accomplished something, but we haven't. We've just made a list of things to overwhelm us even further. We haven't taken that action. So I feel like the action is so, so important. Yeah. I was, I was posting about this on LinkedIn, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, cause I've been talking about some of these steps. And when I got to the action step, what came back in my mind was the Berenstein bears book. Do you remember <laughs> the bike lesson? Do you remember that one? Dad Very and I loved one. the bike lesson and okay, it was, what is it? well, and it's the little guy is trying to learn how to ride a bike and he's kind of getting ahead of himself. And so he's, he's trying to ride, but he's falling over. And so his dad's always saying, not yet, not yet, not yet, my son, not till you learn lesson one. And he keeps saying this to him because He's kind of putting the cart before the horse. And I think sometimes when you take action, you feel like the action you have to take is the extreme, which is the little guy running on his bike and just, you know, falling over because he doesn't know what he's doing. He hasn't learned balance. He hasn't learned sort of restraint. I think with action, action can be very small. Action can be incremental. The word action makes us think something very big, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes the action is just learning something. So that you can get to the end goal. And I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, totally. Okay. then what's our final? I feel like there's one more. Yeah, there is one more. So the the last one is this, this concept of congratulating yourself. So I mean, Which lawyers the last are thing you feel like doing well, exactly. Right. But I mean, lawyers are the worst at this and I am terrible at this, that I just move from one thing to the next. And it's like you, you win a court case. Well, you don't have time to celebrate. You have three more clients that have emergencies. You just move on. And so we tend to go through our lives, not really realizing that, you know, Hey, we're pretty awesome today. And we don't celebrate things very much. And So I feel like the story you're telling me about your friend, I mean, she should have thrown herself a little party, whether it's a pat on the back or she has a little dance party or whatever it is, because she conquered her overwhelm that morning. And that is huge. Had she not done that and had she just spiraled into her day like she would have normally what differences would have happened? It's like that sliding doors movie or whatever, like like how how your life would change. So I do think that we have to start we have to start recognizing that within ourselves and congratulating ourselves a little bit. And, and we feel oftentimes that celebration is reserved for something huge, like winning an award or it's your birthday. No, celebrate yourself. You got out of bed, you got stuff done and you figured out your problem. You stopped yourself from being in concrete that deserves a celebration. And, you know, I don't care what it is. It can be anything, but even if you just take five seconds to say, good job, Amanda, to yourself or whatever it is, right? Uh, That is so important because if you don't recognize it, you're going to fall back into the same pattern quicker. If you recognize that success and you recognize the good feelings and the endorphins that are coming out of the successful 
thing that you've created. Then when you start to slide back down the overwhelm path again, you won't slide quite as far, right? Because you're kind of starting from a new foundation. You remember, Hey, this works. I tried this one time. It works. I'm going to go right back to this and see what I can do. If you don't celebrate it, it's gone. I think you and I were talking about that research about, you know, good things will stay in your brain longer. Well, and you know what? I'm going to open up. It's time to open the kimono because you just reminded me of something Mm. else. And this is like moment of truth for me. I don't do that. So Mm -hmm. guess what I do? I run from thing to thing to thing with barely even minutes in between. And then here's what I do. I will come home. I will start eating pouring Mm -hmm. a glass of wine as though Mm -hmm. that's my celebration. That's my reward. How much less would I be eating or drinking? Because that's my perceived celebration. Instead of pausing and just basking in something or enjoying it or reflecting upon it, I jump into that. And then and and couple that with, I deserve this because I have so much more I've got to do. I got to jump right into the next thing Mm because there's often too much. Mm -hmm. So look at that, right? Mm-hmm. So if oh, I so took the time to celebrate and legitimately sat with something mm-hmm. and just honored who I was, what I felt in it, what I, what I accomplished, what I experienced, what I learned, as opposed to, yeah, that's a bottle of Pinot or that's 75 cheese and cracker stackers. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. right. I do oh, that. Totally. I fully do that. Totally. I do that too. I mean, that's, I think that's just kind of part of, of maybe our coping mechanisms that sometimes you fall back into that. And my, my husband has been a huge help for me and kind of forcing me to stay on the proper path because he, he is very good at stopping and smelling the roses. And I think there's very few people like that. So this weekend we were tackling getting our TVs onto the wall and neither of us are very handy. And so, you know, we followed dad's process and we got them up and I went to immediately go to the next thing. And he goes, no, like we need to celebrate. We just got two TVs on the wall. So, you know, we double high five. We were like, yeah. And then we moved on to the next thing. And, and it was that brief moment of like, yeah, we got this. And it kind of propels you into the next thing that you're doing. I, I just think we need to start celebrating ourselves more. I don't think, I think we're really hard on ourselves. I agree. Really hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's take a quick break and everyone we'll see you in a minute. This is so good. So I was thinking about my whole premise, remember, for this podcast is that it's the antidote to the echo chamber. And I think I told you about how I arrived at this, but the essential point is that I am very limited on what I know and my lived experience. And it is only by listening to other people and their experience that we can expand our paradigm and God willing shift where necessary. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this, my whole tagline on this podcast is it's the antidote to the echo chamber. My goal is to always 
hear somebody else's perspective or learn from it. So what, now that we've kind of gone through, I can, and I just, I love that model. It's just so usable for everyone and what everybody's going through, but what, what's, what's going on for you these days or, or just real shifts in perspective you've had that kind of shook you out of your echo chamber, shook you out of your belief system. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I know I got a million going. What What's going on for you? Well, I think everyone's always got something happening. And, and I've had a lot of really, I've had a lot of difficult things happen in my life as most people have. You don't get to your late thirties without stuff happening. Um, but I think I was sort of falling off of my own practice for the last couple of months. So I, sometimes we don't practice what we preach, I think is sometimes part of the problem. And I know what I have to do, but sometimes I fall into some unhealthy patterns and it's been just a really, a really chaotic few months for a number of reasons. And my, one of my business besties, one of my very, very dear best friends had a heart attack a week ago. And I got the call from her husband and I was very calm while I was on the phone with her husband because the way that I deal with, I mean, the way I deal with stress and the way I deal with difficult situations is I'm that person that's super chill. And then the situation's over and I lose it. That's me. I can keep it together until I no longer have to keep it together anymore. I've been through, you know, the death of my father. I've been through a serious illness of my previous husband and ICU visits. And I've been through a divorce. And I I mean, those kinds of things. And I always keep it together and then I lose it later. And I think that's unhealthy in its own way. Um, So I did the same thing like I always do. I got the call from him and I wanted to be strong for him. And then I just was kind of sitting in my living room and I just started crying because I'm 38 years old. I I didn't feel like I was at a place where I was going to have friends that were having heart attacks. Like, I just don't think I was ready for that. And I, you know, this is a very important person to me. So by the time my husband came home, I was a bit of a mess. He saw that piece. He didn't see the calm piece. And I finally got to see her um, this past weekend. She was released from hospital. So I went over and we had a really good, really good talk. And I think that, you know, I said to her, it's not that I'm happy she had a heart attack. I am devastated by what's happened to her, but it was almost like I needed to hear that last week um, more than anything, because it was a very, very good reminder to me of how I need to live my life every day. And so we had a really real conversation about this, her and I, because the type of heart attack that she had, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to say this wrong. It's, it's called a scab, S-C-A-B heart attack. Mm. So it's not the kind you can fix by putting a stint in. It's not, there's no buildup in the arteries. It's a tear in the artery wall and there's no warnings. It comes on immediately. Um, it's not genetic. It's not because, you know, you smoke or you are overweight. It's not any of those things. And it's not fixable in the same way. Um, So they can't put a stint in because it'll open up your artery and create bigger problems. Um, It just sort of has to heal on its own. And so as I, as she explained it to me, she, she pulled up her iPad. We started looking at pictures because she operates very similar to the way I do. It's like, we're curious people. We want to learn about what's happening to us. So she pulled up the pictures and was showing me this artery that's got a tear and and said, you know, she's on a bunch of medications to slow the flow of blood to her heart to try to give it an opportunity to heal. And she said, "I'm, I'm telling you all this because she said, Amanda, I don't want this to happen to you. And these types of heart attacks apparently are very common in women. And they're common in women in their like 40s, 50s, 60s. They are brought on by emotional stress and by physical stress. Wow. And so she said, these things are preventable 
because not only do you need to, you know, work out and eat healthy to avoid a normal heart attack. I mean, you should be doing that anyway, but the amount of emotional stress that a lot of us are carrying around trying to be everything to everyone and dominate in business and dominate in our personal lives. It's the app running in the background that we don't see. And I am number one guilty of this. I, I push stuff down. I get through my life and that's just what it is. And and you can't, you can't keep doing that. Eventually your body will, will stop. And so she said to me, I think we need to show kindness to each other wow. and show kindness to each other in business and to other women and to, to men as well, who this is more common. I think it's like 90% in women or something, but I mean, it can happen in men as well. But I think just if I think of the circles that I kind of run in and some of the professional women that I work with, and they are going flat out 24 seven, I mean, just like your friend and we feel like we are invincible because it, it has worked for so long, but it, it won't always keep working and, and not all of us are going to have a heart attack, but it's that kind of idea that she said, you know, my life is fundamentally changed now. My life will never be the same. I will never be able to go at the pace that I was going at. And that's okay. Mm. And I think, I think that was a really strong reminder to me because I have a tendency to not stop and smell the roses enough. And it's like, what's the point of being on this earth? Right. I mean, we we're on the earth and we, maybe I'm getting a little too woo woo, but I mean, you're, you're on the earth for what purpose with you, right? Right. Like to get up and and be the hamster on the wheel and make money. No, like there has to be something more to life than that. And life Mm -hmm. is beautiful. And there's lots of horrible things happening right now, but there's also a lot of beauty and we get so caught up in the day to day that sometimes we just, we forget. Cause I mean, if, if I was to die tomorrow, somebody would step into my office and they would do my files. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying nobody would miss me. I hope somebody would miss me, but I it's not. You. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's not like the world would end. Right. And we, we have to, we have to remember that. And, and so this was a fairly recent thing. I'm still kind of working my way through it, but it was mm. such an educational conversation to have with my friend. Um, and to have real talk about that. It is real talk. We don't talk about this kind of stuff usually. Yeah, no real talk. And so I define for those who don't know everything in my branding, including the name of this podcast, listen for real is relational, engaged, authentic, living, real. Right. And that's, that's what you're talking about right there. Mm -hmm. It's no BS. It's no perfectly curated, a social media page. It's, ugh, it's none of that. It's what's really happening. What's real mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Have some oh. compassion for others. I, mm-hmm. I guess kind of as part of that, I've had two instances in the last couple of weeks where I've had to say no to something. And so one of the instances, the most recent one was because of my friend, her and I were scheduled to do this presentation later this week. We have a collaborative practice that we do. She's a different profession than I am. And we work together for clients. And so we were going to teach others, like, let's be collaborative. So we had this big presentation planned. It was kind of a big deal and it was scheduled for Thursday. So like, I mean, she's not doing the presentation. And so I went over and I said, okay, we're, we're going to have to make this phone call. And she goes, yeah, I guess I can't do it as she's sitting in bed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I contacted the organizers who were so gracious 
it was immediate. It was our best. Please keep us posted. If there's anything we can do. Thank you so much for letting us know. This is no problem. Put it out of your head. It was fabulous. The response that we got. Um, I had another incident a couple of weeks. Well, I guess maybe about 10 days before that. It was after I had learned about um, my friend's heart attack. We all said a death of an aunt and there's been a bunch of things, you know, things come in threes. And I was supposed to be working on this writing project and the writing project was going to be due middle of September. And every time I went to pick it up, something would happen that would stop me from doing it. And it was a fairly large writing project. It was going to take some time. I don't miss deadlines. I don't. That's just not the way I roll. So about two weeks uh, before this was going to be due, I realized this is not going to happen. I was not being paid for this. I was under contract. My piece had no impact on anyone else's pieces. And I've done a lot for this particular group over my career. I've bailed a lot of people out who didn't get their stuff done in time. I thought I had a pretty good reputation. So I reached out and I said, without giving too much detail, um, some things have happened in my life that I need to attend to. And I am, I am terribly sorry, but I'm simply not going to be able to make this deadline. I, I, I apologize for not being able to give you more notice, but I wanted to let you know as soon as I was able. And the response that I got back was so disrespectful. No, it was basically like, well, hopefully you can get your crap together. Like that wasn't no. the words, but that was, there was such a tone and, you know, you've really left us in a bind because there's not enough time. And I just went like, you have no idea what's going on in my life, nor do I know what's going on in their life. And, and I would hope that I have enough social cred built up with this group that they would know that I don't just bail on stuff. Like if I'm, right. if I'm saying no, it's because something's happened. And I also don't know this person well enough to get into what's happened because it's really none of their business. Totally. And it was such a juxtaposition of responses. And, and it was a really good reminder to me. I mean, and I, I kind of sat with that for about 72 hours and then I moved on with my life. Um, but it was a reminder to me that sometimes I'm in the position where I'm receiving that information. And the person who's giving you the information doesn't know what's happening to you at that time or what other deadlines you're juggling. But it was a really good reminder to be compassionate in that moment because I don't know what's happening. Right. Nope. And, and how compassion can have such an impact on the person on the other end because yeah. it, it helps you to not feel so guilty and it helps you to feel empowered to say no again at a later date if you need to. Mm -hmm. Nothing is that serious in this life. I mean, yep. unless I'm saying no to doing someone's life-saving heart surgery, which I wasn't, it's not the end of the world. Right. <laughs> Everything is going to be fine. And so I think there's just been a couple of things the last couple of weeks that have made me reframe the way that I think about problems and overwhelm and what's happening in other people's lives. Yeah. Uh Oh man. Yeah. I, I, Oh, I relate to that. We need to, it makes me just think, well, have I done that? Oh my gosh, please tell me. I oh, I'm sure done I've done to it someone. too at some point in or my had life. A tone or had that, like, I'm going to make them feel guilty and, oh, yeah. okay. But well, you know what? And might not even know better, we do better, right? That's right. That's Isn't right. that Maya Angelou? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I choose to think there's no ill will, but it's, it's sort of one of those things where I think sometimes our own prejudices or our own feelings in that moment can get over, can, can, can spill over. And especially when you're doing things in writing, I, I mean, I think text, an email, it's so hard to tell tone. And so yeah. you have to be so careful and to not do that quick response because the quick response tends to have the tone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wonder what all of our friends are thinking about all this right now. If you <laughs> please feel free, you guys, we're all, we're on Instagram. I mean, jump in there anytime. If you want to jump in with, oh my gosh, I resonate with that. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I disagree with this. We welcome civil discourse and questions <laughs> and fleshing out. I'm a, I'm a, let's flesh this out person. Yes. My Instagram is being real Jen and Amanda's is tax dot chip. Those are our mm-hmm. Instagram handles. And yes, come say hi to us and join us. But Amanda, I'm just so excited that we got to talk. And is there anything else you want to add before we finish? I know in the show notes, we're going to have all of the ways people can find you, your blog, um, the Tax Chick podcast, Tax Chick blog. What else do you want them to know about you? Because she's amazing, guys. Oh, I just say, you so want to know sweet. this person. And it's not because she's like, literally... I. You did like three disclaimers. I'm a tax attorney. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. And I think you said I'm not a doctor. So we don't no, know not. all the things. You know what? Not. I'm not. Yeah. But she's just the best. Oh my gosh. So anyway, anything else they need to know about you before we go? Well, I don't know if it's so much about what they need to know about me, but I think it's just about what they need to know about this process and the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, everybody is going through stuff and, and you don't need to say whether your stuff is big and someone else's is small. Anybody can work through this. And I just really hope that this conversation maybe helps like one person, if it helps one person, then that to me has made all the difference, but that there is a way to get through some of this and that you all have people in your lives that are there to support you and, and everybody wants to be that support. So don't hesitate to reach out and phone that person because there's going to come a time when that person's going to need you too. And so yeah. make sure you make connections. I think connections are so important. Oh, I so, so agree. And everybody, you know, one of the things I talk about constantly is the human need to be seen, heard, mm. felt, known, valued, right? And that starts with that quick phone call or listening to deeply to someone who's calling you and really making that connection. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an, or hearing someone's story or sharing your story with someone else. We connect through that. I, I will forever we say we connect through stories. So thank you for sharing your story <laughs> and just our conversation and being willing to have it in a public space. Cause you know me, I love these real conversations. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for having me. It was fun. You got it. All right, everyone. Listen for real episode next week. I can't wait to meet you here. See you soon. The Listen for Real podcast is recorded in Rockland, California, and is edited by Jamie Hill and Christian Oliver. Our theme music is Zero by the amazing Shannon Curtis. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next episode.